0: Catherine Hernandez is the author of Scarborough and the Upcoming Crosshairs, her second novel, which will be published in 2020 by HarperCollins Canada. You'll have to come back and talk about that one oh, next I year. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, soon, Scarborough will be adapted into a film by Compe Films, Telefilm Canada, and the Real Asian Film Festival. You'll have to tell us all about that a little <laughs> bit later in the show. We're
1: going to become best friends. We are.
0: Her <laughs> plays, The Femme Playlist, I Cannot Lie to the Stars That Made Me. Uh, Sing Kill and Kilt Pins were published by the Playwrights Canadian Press, and she is the artistic director of Be Current. We'll talk about that later. Today, we're here to talk about I Promise, a children's picture book about how all queer families start with the promise to love a child. And that has illustrations by uh, activist and scholar Cyrus Marcus Ware. Nice to see you, Catherine Hernandez. Oh,
1: I'm so honored to be here
0: so, congratulations on the book. Oh,
1: thank you, thank you. I'm and
0: pleased. This is your second children's book. Yes, it is. And so, the first one had a queer bent to it as mm-hmm. well, and you had a, a couple of issues with that. In a, in a high In a school, it was going to be read in a school, and uh, and then that reading was canceled. Talk about that story, and then we'll we'll move on from there.
1: Uh, well, what I can tell you from that situation is that there were two schools and one institution that did not want to uh, welcome me to read the book. And just to give you an idea is that M is for Mustache, mm-hmm. a Pride ABC book, which was published by Flamingo Rampant Press, was about uh, the fact that my daughter, when she was little, um, she was known as the tyke on the bike for the Dyke March. <laughs> and so it was super cute. It was this adorable little kid. Um, you know, she's she's ha- half Asian, half white, um, uh, on a bicycle, her little tricycle, and she would ride it down Young Street for the Dyke March. And it was uh, her favorite thing to do because she would have a pink Stetson hat on and she would wave at people like as if in her mind she had her own parade float, right. yeah, you know? Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. Because she just loved it. She loved <laughs> hanging out with drag queens. I mean, she still does. And um, it was just about that. It was about a little kid preparing for Pride and what does uh, she have to do to prepare is that she has to go and meet with all of her chosen family. One is going to do her makeup, one's going to give her some sparkles, one's going to suit her up with some sun tanning lotion, um, and um, one is telling her, remember to bring your umbrella in case there's water guns uh, or rain. Uh, So it's just about a kid uh, being loved into celebration. Mm -hmm. So, of course, like you'd think that you know back then it was about uh 2015 you'd think that people would be okay with it um but then well, it, yeah and
0: also if yeah. you think about it all those things these are universal yeah. stories it, it, the 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 book is about getting ready to go to the Pride Parade, but it's also just people caring for one another yes. and and getting out in the world and making sure, most importantly, probably making sure you wear your, your suntan lotion. Yes, Oh, that's exactly <laughs> it, especially
1: during, you know, the month of June, right. right, in Toronto. Right. Um, and so, uh, yeah, all very, like, very universal themes uh, about preparation and celebration. And, um, yeah, uh, because of the fact that it was the new sex ed curriculum had happened at that time, Um, That um, we a lot of teachers were saying uh, parents are not feeling comfortable with the subject matter. So um, because of that, and we're trying to earn their trust again, we don't want this book to be read. And I tried to explain, it's like actually, I mean, although um, LGBTQ2S terms are, are like, you know, like a labels are shared in the mm-hmm. book, it, it was, you know, we're, we're not talking about anything, any mature themes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very much a children's book. Very much book. a children's book. And um, also, you have to remember that at that time, I had a home daycare. <laughs> so before my entire life changed um, into the author that I am right now is that I was operating a home daycare at that time. And so... I tested the, the material on the children, and um, they loved it. They loved, like, you know, the ABC uh, structure of it. And we had a great time reading it all the time for, for story time. So, um, uh, you know, it was kind of a shock to me. Um, so in, in protest, the these other teachers who were quite progressive said, uh, you know what, we'll book you. Do you want to come in to do a reading? And so... I would truck my daycare kids so i would take care of up to five children under the age of five um two of them being non-walkers <laughs> so you have to imagine <laughs> that i had one on my back and one in a stroller uh, people don't believe me uh, but yeah there are there are actual pictures of it and um uh, You know, we'd go all the way across and we would make it a big adventure so that, you know, they would go in the front of the subway train so they can watch, uh, you know, the the tunnels going past them. Um, And we would do circle time in these various schools. In those schools, I had children who were non-binary come to me saying, thank you so much. uh, Or um, they would probably come up to me and they would say, "Um, I am this whatever like if there are yeah, yeah. trans or non-binary um and uh i'm proud to be who i am and uh you know you'd, you'd be fighting back tears the entire time and so i knew i was onto something good that um you know especially with flamingo rampant giving me the platform to do so that uh creating work that sits at the intersection of lgbtq2s themes and being racialized uh, myself being a person who is disabled um that was all very very important to me
0: and then so you're, you're booked to speak, and, and, and it doesn't happen in some of these schools. And it, how did you feel And when that was happening? I mean, there must have been a profound sense of, of disappointment for you. Or was there a sense of, oh, I'm not surprised because this is what's happened my whole life?
1: You know, it's it's funny. I think it's a, a simultaneous feeling hmm. all, all the time. You know, when you go through life, uh, myself being like a queer brown femme, you um, And being in a family like you have, I have many trans folks in my family um, and uh, a a percentage of them being uh, also from the disabled community Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, there's there's part of you that's like, well, of course, this is going to happen. I don't even know why we're shocked. And then there's another part of you where you're you're thinking, when is progress ever going to come? And there are times that I I literally am lying on my couch, crying my eyes out, thinking is change possible? Is it? Is that going? Is um like everything that we're doing? Are we going to see any kind of progress? And. Um, I, th- I think, you know, like especially with my work with Crosshairs, which, of course, we'll, we'll talk about that mm-hmm. another time um, like with regards to my new novel. But really looking at the embodiment of um, allyship, uh, because I really do feel that it, it has to start from inside of you. So when it came to I Promise, I really thought that although this is definitely it is for the QT BIPOC population, I really feel that allies, if they're reading this, this is their chance to really embody that. Um, So I've said this numerous times uh, before in in all the countless interviews I've done about (laughs) the book about A Promise, is that it's meant to be a short read, nice and casual, um, where uh, you can really challenge yourself to think about what your body language is about queerness. If you haven't worked on yourself, if you're really, you know, uh, being feeling shifty, you're looking left and right, you're, you know, uh, having to uh, drink a drink a lot of water, and you're, you're there's sweat on your brow. <laughs> there is a big chance that that child is going to watch you because that this, you know, the body language says so much more than any speech you can give them. Right. But the they're going to be watching you, thinking, well, what. Is wrong with this community, right? Because most likely, like why you, are my parents why are my parents nervous uh, about it, behaving
0: strangely around this? Yeah. Because
1: most likely, your parents did that, mm-hmm. the exact same thing. So, if we're gonna break that that um, pattern, the first thing we have to do is look at our own bodies. How have we embodied that homophobia, the transphobia, um, and the racism? Um, we can we can do better. So that so that's what uh, I I feel like I'm I'm glad that for this particular book I was really considering that is that what can help parents read who are not from our community read this, and embody allyship while doing so.
0: What inspired this new book? We've talked you've touched on it a little bit there, but what inspired the new book? I promise.
1: Well, I promise started from this. Funny issue I kept on seeing in the queer community, which is that you know the birds and the bees talk doesn't really function in the <laughs> queer community, right? <laughs> and, and you know the the ways in which children came into our lives are it's, the stories are quite varied from mm-hmm. person to person. And the truth is, is you know that that is actually the case for a lot of cisgender, heterosexual mm-hmm. families, the ways in which children came into their lives um, are, are probably varied. Uh, for, but for the queer community, it's uh, particularly complicated. Um, and one friend of mine was laughing, saying, oh, what is it? A story that starts with mommy and mommy went on the website <laughs> and we found a stranger to give us a gift. Um, you know, and, and so instead of focusing on all of those mundane details around conception, I wanted to show how all queer families start from the promise to love a child so you see in the book in the very few pages in this book because it's quite a quick read um, that a child is asking about all these different parts of their family and why they all look different Um, You know, you might have uh, two dads, two moms, uh, people that don't identify as either gender. You might have um, collectives of folks, which you see a lot in the queer community uh, because Okay, so queerness is not necessarily just a label you put on yourself. It is um, a verb. It's it's questioning why we do things the way that we do. So we're questioning how we make money, how we live, um, how we love. Um, One of the things we do in queering parenting is saying, well, why is it that parents are so darn tired? It's because sometimes two is not enough, (laughs) Um, you know, and and so you have – sometimes you have a collective of folks who are making sure that a child is safe so that um, uh, the labor is evenly distributed as much as possible or you have like a single parent who's um, supported by many.
0: It's pretty simple stuff, right? But it's a complicated – Idea, it shouldn't be, but it is.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, you know what's so funny is that um, uh, you know people often think they really focus on queer families and the conception. How does that work? What what <laughs> happened? And um, the truth is, is that you know that's a very tiny fraction. Of what it means to be a parent. Mm-hmm. I mean, anybody who is a parent can tell you that you have to. You're you're marrying the entire package when it comes to this kid. Uh, my myself, I've got a like, you know a really sassy 15 year old <laughs> who is incredibly smart. Yeah. I I've, I've raised her to be confident, which also means that we have to have some really difficult conversations around power, around agency, and all of those things. Um, and I, I'm really amazed watching her grow into her politics. Um, so, you know, you, you you marry into the fact that you are dealing with a child from conception to teething, walking, um, you know, like, please stop picking your nose. Um, <laughs> uh, Why can't you learn how to put on your own snow pants? Right. Um, all of these things, uh, saying inappropriate things in public, you know, those, those things are all part of parenting. And that's a lot of what we have in common with um, uh, cis heterosexual people. Uh, we... We just want to make sure that this kid is going to be raised, uh, like, to be a confident person, a Mm -hmm. curious person, um, a person who feels happy. That's like a a really big thing for any parent. Um, And so we, I I really wanted to show that, that you know, especially because Cyrus is is another parent,
0: right? Who did the illustrations? Yes, yes. yes, Cyrus Marcus Ware.
1: Yes, Cyrus. um, You know, I really want Cyrus to be the illustrator for this project because I think that um, we both understand. Uh, what it's like to beg a child to just please brush your teeth <laughs> go to sleep so, uh, like um, and you see this child in this book uh, you can see that the child is completely resisting mm-hmm. um, going to bed and asking these big questions um, usually when I do a story time with kids uh, I start with who does not like it when their parents send them to bed and all the hands are raised up, Um, and uh, that's how I started it. And I said, okay, well, this little kid doesn't want to go to bed, so they're asking some pretty big questions. Do any of you do that? And they all nod their head. (laughs) So now you know parents is that they're not innocent. They know what they're doing. Um, so yeah, so it's it, for, for me, um, it was necessary to show like the mess and the glory of what parenting looks like.
0: Well, you obviously love kids. you ran a daycare, <laughs> you wrote a book about your daughter.
1: yeah yeah.
0: <laughs> and, and you continue to read I promise and, and, mm-hmm. and other things in circles in the in the that's what they call it, right a little yeah, circle of kids circle time. around yeah. yeah circle time. Uh, so what is it? What is it about kids? Is it the promise of what's to come or what is it?
1: Um, you know what I love is, okay, so there's one of the challenges that um, I really like to tackle head on is the fact that you children are already learning about race relations. They're learning about privilege from the moment that they um, can look around them. Right. They're watching the ways in which their caregivers are moving through this world, and they can see who has power, who doesn't have power, and how much power they have in this world. I know that because having been a home daycare provider, you already see that they would know who's boss, me being a brown woman, um, and they would know it when the first moment that they come into my house, uh, you know, as early as six months. Um, And... The beautiful thing about this, because that's an ugly thing to mention, mm-hmm. and it's hard to tell the truth about us, you know, um, the beautiful thing about it is that once they see that those rules that they might see in the outside world are not applicable in my home, that it, this is a space that is curated, that we are not adhering to those rules of power in my house, um, that we have boundaries about how we uh, treat each other and how we share things, Um, you would see an immediate difference Mm. with how those children move through the world. Um, And then also that they could navigate through difficult conversations around power. All of this is possible. So as, 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 you know, it makes my heart hurt to see that it happens so early. That racism can happen so early. The truth is, is that it can also. It also means that it could be stopped, and like at an early age. Um, Another thing I love about kids is how fast they learn things. Mm. So in Scarborough, in my first, well, they're novel, just like
0: little empty vessels, right? That's they're just right. waiting to be filled up. Yeah, that's yeah, right.
1: Yeah. A lot of people ask me about Scarborough. It's like, why did you put it in? And you know, the perspective of children. And I said, well, because children learn so quickly. This is your your novel, yeah, my first yeah. novel. Um, they said, why was it from their perspective? I said, because then you get to understand. Um, who is, who has power in every chapter, mm-hmm. you know, um, and um, what is the community structure um, and, uh, like, who is safe, who's not safe.
0: Your work with kids, you're teaching them stuff, I and mean, we've just got a minute here. What sure. are you learning from them?
1: Um, I learn that... Uh, embodiment is everything Um, the first thing that they're learning in this world is how bodies move Mm -hmm. and um, and and so if you want to learn something new the best thing to do is to move your body to believe it in yourself. So confidence. Confidence. Yeah. It's confidence or also just like unlearning things because I think that our, our bodies as adults are I, I like believe that things are immovable, but actually, no, they're quite plastic. You can move things in and out of your body to learn new things.
0: I think one thing that people forget is that change is possible no matter what age you are. Absolutely. And and whether you're a child, and we're talking about children here mostly, uh, but I am on the other end of the scale from being a child, and I am constantly amazed that every day, literally every day, I learn something new that kind of makes me think, wow, this is infinite. <laughs> yes. You know, this <laughs> is infinite. The amount of stuff that there is to know is infinite. Yes, and uh, and that's a wonderful thing. You write so many different things. Yes, uh, I am primarily a nonfiction writer, so I write. Uh, articles about people or I write movie reviews or whatever it is, but it's mostly nonfiction. When I do have to write something that's fiction, it is a different part of my brain. It isn't for me just putting words together on a page. I wonder if it's a difference from you uh, from writing a children's book, which is, you know, uh, uh, there's fewer words, let's yes. say, more pictures, fewer words, uh, or a novel or a play. They're completely different forms, Uh, is your brain divided into three sections and you just access one or the other when you're starting on a new project?
1: Well, for children's literature, I'm really happy that I have you know, access to children in my life that I can test this material Mm -hmm. out on. Um, When I did have the home daycare, it was super easy. It was very much like theater. So when theater, when you're writing, um, you, well, if you have the funding, you would get uh, um, actors around the table so that they can read it out loud and you can find out where you have to adjust the dialogue to make it better. Mm -hmm. Um, With... Children, it's kind of the same thing. You're kind of dramaturging it with them. It's very funny. Um, so if they're zoning out, if they're not really engaged... Like, or if there's, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, what's really funny is that they will actually just get up and leave if <laughs> they don't like what you're reading. Um, and that's always really funny. Um, so uh, I... Um, uh, for, for this for both of the books, I did test out the material with children to see if it worked and they were definitely engaged. Um, they th- because of the fact that this is for children you know from birth until kindergarten, um, you have to make sure that it's pretty quick. Yeah, you have to make and and, and um, because you know as any parent can tell you that sometimes they just really want to turn the pages because yeah. it's just that mechanical skill that they want to learn. What's yeah, next? Yeah, what's next? Right, and they just like the hearing like the crispy paper, right. you know. Um, uh, so they just want to show that off. They don't really care about the story, which is totally fine. Um, but uh, yeah, the kids seem to be into it. Um, at that time there were there were no illustrations, so you just have to sort of read the book, um, and see what they what they like about it and what they don't like about it, tighten it up. Um, So it does feel like theater when it comes to children's literature. Um, When you're writing a novel, it is incredibly lonely. So when I wrote my first novel, Scarborough, I um, found it so so different from theater because there were no actors to help me. Mm -hmm. Um, I was alone in my office. And... What I did was to recreate the dramaturgical process. I would actually say things out loud, then commit it to paper. Say it out loud and commit it to paper, which takes longer, but it means that the um, the way that it was written, it it actually. S- sounds good when it's read out loud.
0: I, I, I do that. I, I read, I write and then read it aloud and then go yeah, back and read Yeah, Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I, I just I, I find it, It. I think that that's the best way to do it because you want to make sure that by the time, you know, the audiobook comes around and by the time you do your right. uh, public readings, which there are going to be a ton mm-hmm. of if you're successful, um, that it's going to sound uh, right. And also just because being a racialized person is that a lot of our storytelling is or Oral in the first piece. So, so really an honoring um, uh, oral storytelling is that it should uh, lift off of the page.
0: I also find uh, that what it gives me is a sense of the, of the rhythm. And if I find that my uh, eye skips over a yes. word while I'm reading or skips over a phrase or if I stumble, uh, I'm thinking, oh, that's not very interesting. Yeah, if you go. zone out. Yeah, it's it's a way. It's like you were talking about the kids when they <laughs> just get up and leave the room. <laughs> you know, when 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 I metaphorically get up and leave the room in the <laughs> middle of reading something aloud that I've written, yes. it means that you know we have to go back and and have a serious look yes. at, at the order that those words are in.
1: Yeah, and then the same thing is that when you you know the opposite um, is true is that when you feel that like your body is alive, a lot of times I could start sweating and mm-hmm. I, I'm like really into with sometimes like I tear up uh, reading uh, the piece, I know that sounds so corny, like, oh, my material (laughs) is so good, I'm tearing up about it, is that then you know that um, you're on the right track.
0: Do you, when you're um, reading all this stuff aloud, do you go back to things you'd written in, taking a novel, take you a year to write maybe, or however long it takes, do you go back sometimes and go, wow, I don't remember writing that? Because that happens to me, I'll read something later and be like, "I don't really remember writing that. It's good, I hope, but I don't remember <laughs> writing it."
1: Do you ever think about like all of those orphans, like the the little pieces that you t- took took yeah. out? They're really great, but they just had they no just place. They just don't fit, and they're, and they're they'll in Have a nice somewhere. little
0: flourish in in there, and sometimes you want to kind of wedge them in because there's some <laughs> nice wordplay, or 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 it's like it's a clever little joke or something, but it mm. just doesn't work. No, it's yeah. the
1: equivalent of like you know that picture that you gave your parents and they put it on the refrigerator <laughs> just to make you feel better that's right that's exactly what those pieces are so the I, I I find that I just you know sort of do this kind of mental ceremony where I'm like thank you for being here but I'm gonna have to let you go yeah and if you don't miss it then you don't miss it like usually in about a week's time you don't miss it uh, so it doesn't matter you don't.
0: Yeah, yeah eventually you don't
1: however there was one really cool thing where I thought that I was writing a book about you know how um, you know the orangutans over at Toronto Zoo yeah so uh, uh, I thought that I was going to write a book about the fact that one of the orangutans actually managed to escape and uh, it's this is a well-known story about (laughs) toronto zoo and i went to toronto zoo even asked them to like sit in on like you know feeding the orangutans and all that stuff and i thought i wasted their time because i'm like this story is going nowhere and then sure enough when i was writing scarborough it ended up being put in there and so i thought great great
0: i I don't think that there's really ever a wasted experience sometimes you you have a look at something and you think oh man i don't know that felt like (laughs) that that felt like today just kind of came and went or it was a waste of a day but i think that eventually everything you are the sum total of your experience and everything that that you do eventually feeds something whether it's uh you're if you're a writer it's certainly very useful but if you're not if you're a person just making your way through life everything comes in handy somewhere
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, When
0: we come back, uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, career advice because you do so many different things Mm -hmm. and you've made your way in a very difficult profession. It's Mm -hmm. tough to be a writer in Canada and it's tough to be a writer who writes plays. Yeah, you did that. Tough to be a writer that writes novels. Well, you do that too, and children's (laughs) books. So I want to talk about that and the kind of career advice uh, that you've gotten. But before we uh, go... Let's talk just a little bit about Scarborough the movie. Ooh. It's happening right now. It's being oh. shot right now, so it'll be out presumably this time next year. Yes. And uh, what's, what's happening with
1: it? Uh, so right now we're only shooting on the weekends because we have many children in yes. the movie. So um, what's really cute is that the people who... Uh, there's only like one person in the production team that actually has a child. Um, and all of them are <laughs> looking a little bit tired. And I'm like, oh, this is what it's like, yeah. y'all. Um, but... <laughs> But it's it's going really great. Um, I'm trying not to lose myself every time I'm on set because it just feels like there are so many full circle moments where um, I feel like, wow, like, I can't believe that, uh, you know, this was inspired by this from my childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, Now I'm watching a little child um, doing this action that I had imagined in my head, put it down on paper, and now it's alive in this actor. Um, All of this is just incredible. And I feel very blessed
0: and those kids though you can't you can't do too many weekends cuz they will change
1: Oh yeah, they we will grow and change. We are thinking that we're only going to feed them things like, um, <laughs> like you know, like like uh, like you know, just like candy. Yeah, just
0: Twizzlers. Just, just feed them Twizzlers.
1: Twizzlers and Coca Cola. <laughs> and I'm sure that they're going to stay the same size. Yeah, we, that's one of the things that Shasha Kai and uh, Rich Williamson have have had to deal with. It's yeah. like, please don't grow. And it, nobody's voice changes. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, oh, nobody. That's right. Nobody's voice changed. Yes. That's another one. <laughs> the kinds of jobs that you have are jobs that are are rare. You know, you yes. don't get to. You, you, not everyone gets to do this, and when it works out, it's a thing of beauty, isn't it?
1: It truly is. <laughs> it truly is the same. The same month that I uh, closed down my home daycare, uh, making less than minimum wage every day, I got the job as B Current artistic mm. director, and that's an, a theater company dedicated to the Black and Brown diaspora. And uh, the novel Scarborough was released. And so <laughs> that's, like, that's pretty good like, day. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much all overnight. Like I went from wiping baby bums to finding myself at um, Banff uh, Playwrights Lab and going, wow, my life has completely changed. Yeah, it was bizarre. Um, and at the same time, I felt completely ready for the change to happen.
0: Did you grow up with a love of words and theater and books?
1: Yes. Uh, well, my mother was a pioneer of Filipino folk dance education here in Canada. Her name was uh, Cecile Hernandez. Uh, so my late mother really taught us that our stories as Filipinos uh, was extremely important to share. And in order to share it, it meant that we had to uh, practice our traditions um, every weekend Mm -hmm. and share them with as many communities as possible nationwide. And so I always grew up that stories were important, um, like knowing that. And so storytelling went from being in my body as a dancer uh, to being an actor. And I went to theater school. But sadly, that was a pretty abusive environment in which I was really taught that my stories didn't matter. and when I graduated, uh, you, know, as, you know, as a racialized person, I felt c- incredibly lost being told that um my life as a brown, uh, feminine actor was going to be just, uh, you know, being maybe spearholder number three in a Stratford right, yeah, Festival yeah, production, yeah,
0: or 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 the secretary in yes. a, in a in a sitcom or something. Yeah.
1: yeah, and I knew that I entered theater school being a storyteller and I exited um, feeling that I wasn't one. So I, when I reclaimed, um, like I, I went through a lot of, you know. Um, Like self discovery, um, realizing that I had to re engage with um, indigenous, like Filipino indigenous uh, traditions, uh, one of them being from the Taboli tribe, where they have dream weavers that, um, you know, they receive a message from the ancestors and weave it into being. And I knew that I had to do that. I had to just receive messages from the ancestors and create work. And so now I teach uh, decolonized theater making um, across um, the country. Um, and uh, I, I really love empowering brown and black diasporic theater creators uh, to do the ancestral work to get to that place.
0: Perhaps theater school in a very backwards kind of way was the best thing that could have happened. Yes. Because <laughs> it pushed you toward really reclaiming something that... that I don't want to say it could have been lost, but it could have been. I mm-hmm. mean, just as easily, I suppose, as could have been found. But you know, the, the determination that comes with being told no, no, yeah. you're, you're, that the, this isn't what we want. And it's like, yeah, maybe. You know, maybe it is.
1: Yeah, I mean, like it. it definitely made sure made me um, never take it for granted, yeah. uh, because um, I wanted. I, I knew that I I wanted to create safe and brave spaces for uh, brown and black folks to feel empowered in their theater creation.
0: What kind of career advice do you give to people like yourself who are perhaps being told that your stories don't matter, um, that you know want to write plays, who perhaps uh, want to write a book but don't know how or or don't know how to start. I I had a, a young woman approach me on the street the other day who recognized me from television and she said I really want to work in movies but I have no idea how. Mm-hmm. And we ended up having a, a a nice conversation. I don't know if it was helpful or not. I hope yeah. so. But 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 you know uh, I I could see that she's reaching out. Yes. And and that's very important.
1: Very much yeah. so. Well, the first thing I always say, because like you know, I, I I get a lot of requests for mentorship. Um, is that, um, the first thing that I always ask uh, artists to do is to do the ancestral work, mm. because when you just listen to the ancestors and you listen to them hard enough, so that you go, oh well, what do they want me to say, and how do they want me to say it, um, then the truth comes shining through, and the it becomes less about you and it becomes more about the story. So one of the things I understood my ancestors were saying is that unfortunately, theater um, performing was not going to be in the cards for me because I have a disability. I can't be in a rehearsal room for eight hours a day. Um, uh, I, I can write it, but most likely I won't be able to produce it in that way. Um, and uh, performing, unfortunately, because of uh, my disability, I don't have the memory uh, to commit uh, to uh, being on stage for that long. Um, it means that I have to rethink how I'm going to tell a story, and thankfully, I'm good at writing fiction. Mm-hmm. And also, another sign too was that my stage directions were getting awfully long. <laughs> All of this was a sign that I I should start getting into long form fiction. That, that's right. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. When, when the stage directions are, are three pages long, it's like I've just written a chapter, not that's a exactly stage direction. That's exactly the one that was happening.
1: And um, you know, usually in theater, you try to keep your stage directions to exit pause, stage left. exit, yeah. yeah, um, just so that you allow the director to um, have a vision for the piece. Um, so, so listen to your ancestors, because I've, I've certain doesn't mean that you're, you're gonna go uh, down a wrong. You, you aren't gonna go down a wrong path, because it might mean that you might resist a few times, and, and then you, you, you know. For example, I thought that I was gonna get into television production, found myself on mm-hmm. this awful RV lifestyle. Um, telev- <laughs> I'm sure Richard, you've done some horrible <laughs> oh, things in listen. media. But um, yeah, I know right? <laughs>
0: Daddy's got to pay the mortgage, you know? <laughs> yeah, where, you know, like you, you do these
1: horrible shows, and you're, and I remember going, I don't think this is the life I want. Mm-hmm. Um, or, for example, I was thinking that I was going to get into beauty journalism, and I remember trying to pitch um, uh, magazines with these horrible ideas for articles, and the next thing I know, you know, is when I actually tell the truth, when I listen to my mm-hmm. ancestors, Um, and write a book that matters to me, that's when I make uh, Flair Magazine's, um, you know, uh, how I made it list.
0: Yeah. You know, it's very funny that authenticity is such a hard thing to learn sometimes. Authenticity is the thing that took me forever forever. To nail yes. down. And, you know, when I first started doing this, and I've been doing this for very since I was 16. I've been doing this for a very long time.
1: Oh, so you started when you were three. Okay. That's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: Now, when I was 16 years old, I got my first job in a radio station, and I was fired rather quickly from it because I was trying to sound like all the other people – Around me, Because I thought that's what you did. They have the job. So why wouldn't I want to sound like yeah, that? And, yeah. get... and it wasn't until I decided that it's okay to say, um, it's okay to think your way through things. It's okay to say and, and, and behave on the air in an authentic way, because yeah. people will be okay with it, that things started to turn around.
1: Yes, I, I think uh, yeah, authenticity is a very important thing for emerging artists to learn. Um, I, I feel, and it, it, yeah, it, you're
0: laying yourself out there, yeah, and that that can be the, the the tricky part, the unsettling part about mm-hmm. it is that it's just about being truthful and honest, and and sometimes you know you, you, that makes you vulnerable, and people don't like yeah. that sometimes. Well,
1: I would say that if you're gonna look back on your career retrospectively. Um, any time that you were not authentic is most likely the time that you f- you failed really, like in a, in a bad way. Because mm-hmm. I think that um, failure is not a bad thing. Um, but I think that uh, when you've had a misstep uh, where you've burned a bridge, uh, where you have gone down the wrong path, that kind of failure, it's most likely because you weren't listening to the ancestors and you were not listening to your own voice.
0: Okay, I've got some quick hits here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you're the Wally Parr sausage girl <laughs> at the Scarborough Town Centre. What does that mean?
1: Um, It means that I deserve a gold star at the Scarborough <laughs> Town Centre. Like, what is it going to take for someone to give me a star in the Scarborough Town Centre Hall of Fame?
0: We are sitting in a, a radio station right now that's in an old converted building. <laughs> yes. That is... Used to be a place called Whiskey Saigon. Oh and I mentioned gosh. this to you as you were coming in, and you're like, yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> yes. I was trying to think of like why why I know this building. is because back in the nineties I used to be a go go dancer. <laughs> you know, when you're going to theater school, what people don't understand is that you're there for like twelve hours a yeah, day. So yeah. having a side job is practically impossible. Not to say that there's anything wrong with go go dancing, because right. if you can, you know, uh dance and make money, um, you know, uh you know, it work feels is safe work. And, yeah, you know, feel safe. Yep. Exactly. Um and so uh it was only for you know, like I know strippers make more money than this, but uh, for go-go dancers, since we kept our clothes on, um, we would only make $75 a night. And I remember this is one of the places that we used to go to all the time uh, to make money. And and that was, I remember doing that for about a couple of years until finally I was booked for a musical and I was able to stop the life.
0: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad that you came back to join us here once again. <laughs> I know. Oh, you were able what a to revisit uh, on, <laughs> uh, on, on such a high note. Uh, Catherine Hernandez has been my guest. The book is called I Promise. Uh, it's a children's book. You can find it wherever find children's books are sold, Amazon.ca, all that kind of thing. Uh, Catherine, what a delight. Thanks for coming by.
1: Such an honor, Richard. Thank you.